Before we open God's word, if you would pray with me, I'm going to ask you to do something different than I normally do. I'm going to ask as I pray that you would pray for the person to your right and your left, that they would hear what God would have for them to hear as we open his word today. And then I'm going to ask that you would pray for me, that it would be clear and concise and what God would want us to hear. Uh, I told Joanna, I whispered in her ear before I got up here, I changed my whole sermon this morning. And so that could either be really good or really bad. And so I'm trusting that God's leading in that and it's going to be a good thing. But I'm going to ask that you would pray for me, but then also pray for one another. If you would pray for the person on your right and your left as we pray together, that God would speak clearly to us. So let's bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you give us your word, that your spirit comes and you teach us and you guide us and you tell us that you never leave us and that you never forsake us that you lead and guide us through your word, that you have revealed yourself to us in this way. I pray this morning that as we open it, that it would be clear, that it would be concise, that it would point us more fully to you and what you've done for us. I pray for each person here uh, that you've brought here today, knowing that it's not an accident, that you are a sovereign God that is in control. And so we pray uh, that they would hear exactly what you would have for them to hear. I pray that your spirit would come and move in this place, that you would apply the truths of your word to each heart here We know that you are far bigger than any communication and that you can do things that we haven't even thought or said or planned. And so we pray that you would do that today, that you would move in this place, that you'd give us an expectant attitude that we're hearing from the living God of the universe as we open your word. We thank you. We thank you that you meet us through your word. We pray that you'd be glorified in this time. We pray all of it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So Hebrews 11, what we read just a second ago, if you want to turn there with me, there's there's Bibles in the pew. If you don't have one, you'd like to borrow one or take one of those. I often say that if you need one, that's what they're there for. We'd love for you to take one. But we're going to be looking at Hebrews. We're not going to look at quite all the verses we read just a minute ago, but we're going to work our way uh, through the first eight or so verses of Hebrews 11. And as we get to Hebrews, we've been in this book for quite a while now, going on several months As we get to this chapter 11, this is a very famous chapter in the Bible. If you've grown up around the church or you've been around uh, Sunday school or you've read your Bible, you've often hear it referred to as the roll call of the faithful. Maybe that resonates with you. You've heard that before. But Hebrews 11 often gets referred to in that way. The roll call of the faithful or the the chapter of faith. And for good reason that we say that uh, in Hebrews 11, 40 verses, 22 times faith is mentioned. Over and over and over, by faith, by faith, by faith, these people did these different things, all by faith. And so we're going to look at this idea this morning about how integral faith is to our lives. And I want us to just think about that today. Think about this picture of how faith is so integrated in everything we do. I would submit to you uh, the idea of being a person of faith has kind of come under fire recently. Like a lot of people like to say that's for for weak minded people and I'm a person of reason and faith is is not necessarily a good thing and people will often talk that way. But I just submit to you right at the beginning as we think about this that we all have faith. Every single person has faith. Faith by definition just simply means I have a belief in certain things that I cannot see. And so every single person you know has a faith in different things. There's a lot of things that we believe in and we believe to be true yet we cannot see them. Uh, I woke up this morning believing that oxygen is real and that I need it, although I cannot see it. Uh, There's places I would like to visit in the world that I know exist or I believe to exist because I've seen pictures and I've looked at it on a map and those kind of things, but I've never actually been there. But I believe I have faith that they exist. Uh, There's a whole lot of places I'd like to visit that I have faith that are there, although I've never seen that. 
And so every single one of us has faith in different things. Uh, Our culture today oftentimes will take faith and reason and, and pit them at odds, like that they go against each other. I'm a person of reason. I'm not a person of faith. If you look at the definition of reason, what it simply means is a basis for your beliefs. Then you look at the definition of faith and it's beliefs and things you can't see. And so actually faith and reason go together very closely. They're not at odds at all. Uh, reason is a good thing and, and it helps us to know why we believe what we believed and they're integrally linked together. And so what I want us just to think right at the beginning is that we take all sorts of things on faith every single day. You don't have to be a believer. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to believe in the Bible, but you still take things on faith all the time. We all do. And so I want us just to think about why that's so important in our lives. I can tell you, it's an unavoidable truth that every single one of us takes things on faith. But then you could ask, well, so what? Right. OK, maybe so. All right. Maybe maybe that is true. But who cares? And as we think about this idea of faith this morning, I want you to realize that what you put your faith in, the beliefs that you hold greatly shape the way that you go and walk through the world each and every day. It greatly shapes the joy that you have the way you respond to things in your life, the faith-based assumptions that you have, they shape the worldview that they have, and they have a great influence on you. And so I want us to think about that picture of what the Bible talks about when we talk about faith, uh, how beliefs shape the way we think. Uh, Depending on what you believe, it can greatly change the way you walk day in and day out. There was a television program I was watching this past year, and in the show, the main character, his brother, has all these uh, issues with believing that everything that's connected to electricity is getting into his brain and causing him all these problems. And so in the show, the brother lives in a house with no electricity, and he never leaves the house. And the only time he ever goes out every once in a while, it show, one show to go out to get the, the newspaper, he puts tinfoil on his head and he runs out and grabs the newspaper, right? And so he has this belief that all these things are getting in his brain and they're out to get him. And so you see the things that he has put his faith in directly affect the way he lives his life. It's kind of a silly or an extreme example, but the same is true within uh, a biblical faith. I've met different people that will tell me things that they believe very strongly about who God is and what he's like, and it's crushing them. I've heard people tell me in a hospital before that I think my kid's sick because of sins I did in the past and God's now punishing me. I go, oh, that's not what the Bible says. Right. And their view of God is he's out to get them because of what they've done in the past. And I go, no, 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 that's that's not what the Bible says. And so what we believe directly shapes how we live. And so this is a very important thing when we start to talk about this idea of faith. And so this morning, real simply, how we're going to do this is we're just going to look at a few verses at the begin, beginning of Hebrews 11. And I just want to ask the question, is it talks about by faith, these different people did these things. By faith, Abel offered a sacrifice. By faith, Abraham obeyed. As we go through that, what does it look like, biblically speaking, to walk by faith? By faith, they did these things. What does that look like? A biblical faith and to be walking by it. What does that look like? And then lastly, I just want us to consider why it's better. I would submit to you that we all are putting our faith in something. So why is it better to put your faith in the God of the Bible and how he's revealed himself to us in Jesus? Why is it better? And so that's simply where we're going. And so let's look at Hebrews 11 together. We're going to start in verse 1 
Just this big idea of what is biblical faith? What does it mean to walk by faith? And so Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And so I wanted to start right there at the beginning in verse 3 in the picture that it says there. By faith we understand that the universe was created. And right there that word that it tells us by faith we now understand has to do with reason and thinking and working through things. And so there's an integral link right there in what scripture tells us a biblical faith and walking by faith is. That it does go with reason. They're not divorced of each other. They actually go together. By faith, we understand these things. And so what our culture would often say that they're at odds, the Bible says, no, 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 they're not at odds. And so what that verse really says in a lot of ways is verse three, as we look at the world and we look at the things around us and we try to make sense of it, it makes more sense when God is in the equation. It makes more sense when we step out in faith and say, I believe there's a God. And then I start to look at all these things. We begin to understand the truth of the way the world is put together. And it says they go together. Reason goes together. Now, here's the hard part. Our culture will tell you over and over. Well, that's blind faith. I only believe in reason and I only believe in facts. And that's the way I operate. But I want you to think about that for just a second. In our culture today, people will say science is the best knowledge there is. Scientific knowledge is fact, and I deal in fact and reason, and I don't care about faith. But if you've ever learned about the scientific method, what's the start of the scientific method? Have you ever thought about this? Right? When you start with a scientific method, you, you posit a hypothesis or a premise based on what I know, but I'm not sure and I can't prove it. But I'm going to, by faith, say I think this is true. And then I'm going to follow that up and see if it bears out, if it makes sense. I'm going to test it and I'm going to look at it and I'm going to see. And so there's a faith element as you begin in science. I look at what I see around me and then I make a a position and then I'm going to follow it through. Verse three says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by God. I'm going to step out in this faith based assumption that God has created all things. And then I'm going to see how it fits together. Very similar idea. Our culture would say those are no, 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 that's not the same thing. You go, yeah, I think actually it is. We are all holding faith based assumptions in all different ways. And so I want us just to think as we start to think about this biblical idea, there are uh, similarities in our beliefs. Every one of us, no matter what you believe, every one of us is holding to different faith based assumptions. But the difference becomes is, is, is where it's forks and the road is what are you building your life on? What are you building out the way you live and the way you operate and the way you look? What it comes down to? What what are the things that you're building it on? And so we all have faith based beliefs. And so when you see this picture here that it says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created. It's telling us that God makes sense of all of this, that when we step out in faith and we look at the world that's in front of us, that God actually makes sense out of it. It helps us to see it better. I was thinking of all the different uh, things that we could talk about or look at as we think about that, that reason is very much involved in our faith. And I wrote down all these different examples, but I'm not going to bore you with a big apologetic kind of argument. But I'm going to give you one just to think about. Uh, there was a guy named uh, Sir Fred Hoyle, who's a British astronomer. Uh, he's, he's a devout, I shouldn't say, they wouldn't like that term. Uh, he is a self-professed atheist. 
And he believes in uh, naturalism. That is, the natural world is all there is. And so all life sprang to existence and we don't know why. Uh, it's actually a belief that holds that there was nothing and then there was something. And then that grew into what we are today. And we don't really know how it got here. And so he believes this. And I would say that's a faith-based belief to hold to that. But he, was, he sought out to figure out what is the probability that that happened in this way. And, and this is not, a, this is not a, uh, a shaded statement as a Christian saying this. All, I think, uh, scientists would agree on this. Basically, there are no odds. Right? We can't put odds on it because it's so astronomical high we can't even begin to fathom it. But what this guy came up with is he said he gave, came up with this little analogy. That if you remove God from the equation... What is the likelihood that life sprang to existence? And this is an atheist who says this. He says, uh, it's kind of like a tornado going through a junkyard and spinning everything up. And what comes out of that is a perfect working 747 aircraft. That's the odds, right? That's the best we can put on it. And so my question is, when I hear that, is how is that not a faith-based belief that I'm holding that, right? It makes more sense that there is an all-knowing, omniscient God that has spoke things into creation. That's what this says, right? Is that not what it says there? By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Now, there's a whole lot of other things we could point to that build up why it's reasonable to believe Christianity. It's not absent of reason. And so the first point is just simply this. A biblical faith is reasoned. It's not the absence of reason. It goes with reason. It makes sense. It holds together. It is a cogent argument to say that there is a God of the universe that's created all things. Second thing I want us to consider. When you start to read through Hebrews and there's this picture of all these people, by faith they did all these things. What does the biblical faith begin to look at? Just look at verse 8 there, what it tells us about Abraham. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Right? By faith, Abraham obeyed. Or if you look at the very first verse, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so when we start to talk about a biblical faith, it's a conviction that leads to a committed obedience. That's what we see in the Bible when we begin to talk about faith, the picture that's there. As you read through the roll call of the faithful in Hebrews 11, you see this over and over and over. By faith, they did these things. They obeyed and they continued to walk and they continued to do these things. I was very convicted this last year as I read a book. Uh, I was trying to remember what it was. It was earlier this year because I remember I read it on an airplane. I think it was in May. And as I was reading this book, the author makes the point very clearly that in Scripture, as we read through the Bible, the idea of knowing something, really truly knowing something means we do it. Right? It, it, there's always a correlation with knowing is doing. And so he, he traced like all the words all the way through and made this big case. And I got to the end and I thought, man, how many things do I say I know and I believe but don't actually bear it out in my life? The Bible says very clearly that knowing is equals doing that's the picture that's there over and over I, I could tell you that i really love my wife i could say that over and over and i could tell you how wonderful she is uh if you know my wife you know that i married way over my head uh some of you guys are in that club with me it's, it's a good club to be in right i married way over my head uh if i didn't believe in a god of grace my marriage would help bring that to reality right God's been very gracious to me. But I can say those things and I can tell you and go, oh, that's sweet. He says that. 
But to really show that I love my wife, it doesn't happen when I just stand up here and say it with words. It happens when I get home and the way I listen to her and the way I help her. And I blow it a lot of times in those ways, but I'm seeking to listen and care for her and walk with her and share those things with her. And that's how she knows I love her, not because I just say it or maybe once a year I write it on a card. It's because of day to day. That's what it looks like. And that's the picture in Scripture of when we really truly know and believe something, we're putting our faith in that, it does lead to action. It's committed obedience. You see this all the way through uh, this chapter in Hebrews 11. And so we'd say faith is reasoned. Reason does not check out in it. But then as we start to see it, there's a conviction that comes from it that leads to a committed obedience. And so as you, you walk your way through the Bible, you see this over and over. Uh, some of you were with us a few months ago. We did uh, in our Sunday school hour. We talked about how to share your faith with the gospel of John. And there's a couple of reasons we do that. One is John just tells us in chapter 20 that he wrote the gospel of John, that you would know that Jesus is the son of God. Right? He says, this is why I wrote this so that you would see this. So it's a good place to start. If you have somebody asking questions and you want to walk through them. But what we did is we walked through the gospel of John as you see this picture of Jesus being presented in the gospel. And it tells us that he's God and this is what he looks like. This is what saving faith looks like. And as you go through John, what you get saving faith is putting radical trust in this person, this man that claims to be God in Jesus. And you get to chapter 10 as we walk through it. And there's a fork in the road. It's very clear in John's gospel. You get to chapter 10 right in the middle of the book. And it's in and what John's doing is he's bringing you face to face. Either you're with Jesus or you're not. There's, there's no middle ground. He forces you into this thing. And so one of the things we talk about as we go through the gospel of John, my brother told me this story. I'm sure it didn't originate with him. He would tell you he got it somewhere else. But it's an illustration that helps us to understand what does it truly mean to have a committed faith that's now living out of obedience. And so the story, the, the illustration goes like this. There's a guy on a high wire act and the high wire is stretching between two large buildings and he's up there on the high wire and he's walking across and everybody's down below watching him and they're cheering him on. And he walks across and everybody goes, oh, this guy's really good. And then he drops the bar that they often hold and he says, I'm going to do it without it. And everybody goes, he's, you think I can do this? And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he walks across and then he says, uh, I'm going to walk across on my hands and everybody's cheering. Yeah, do it, do it. So he walks across on his hands and then finally he says, uh, I'm going to walk across with a wheelbarrow. And everybody goes, okay, yeah, yeah, you can do it. You can do it. They're cheering him on. And so he does it. And then he gets done. And he says, who thinks I can walk across with the wheelbarrow with someone in it? And everybody goes crazy. They're like, yes, absolutely. You can do it. And he says, okay, who would like to get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> and suddenly everybody goes, no, I'm not too sure about that. Right. That's what happens in the gospel of John. It's pointing you over and over that Jesus is God. He is God. He is doing miracles. He has raised people from the dead. He's saying he's God. He's telling you that there's no other way to get to God but except through him. And then all of a sudden you get to John 10 and there's a split. You're either with Jesus or you're not. You're either getting in or you're not. And so biblical faith and what we see here all the way through Hebrews 11 is people that come to that fork and they go, OK, I'm going with you. Right. You look all the way down through this, the things that God calls people to do. He calls Noah to build an ark in the middle of the desert. And he says, OK, I'm going to do it by faith. I'm going to build this ark and trust you. Or, or he asks Abraham to, to sacrifice his own son. And he says, OK, I, I'm going to trust you. I'm not exactly sure where this is going, but I'm going to 
Based on what I know, it's not devoid of reason. Based on what I've seen you doing, I'm going to trust you in this. And it goes all the way down through. And you see all these things that people do as committed obedience. They, they continue to do so. And so you see people that are willing to offer their sons or sacrifices or people who cross the Red Sea. Or it says people who are mighty in war or risk their lives or received back their dead. And then it says, or some were sawn in two. They gave up their lives, committed obedience. And that's what a biblical faith looks like. So you get to this point and say it's reasoned and it's a conviction that leads to this committed obedience. And if you just stop right here, it's really not a whole lot different than any other faith. Most people I know that believe things would would tell you or submit to you that their faith is reasoned. Yes, I've thought about this. I think it makes sense. A lot of people who have a faith are committed to it and they'll stick with it in a lot of things. But what makes this different, and this is really going to lead into why this is better, is the last part. It's not just reasoned. It's not just committed faith. But when you read verse four on down through this and you say, by faith, Abel offered to God. Or you get to Enoch in verse 5. But Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. You know, all we know about Enoch, we just did this in Sunday school not long ago. Last week, I think. Genesis 5, all it tells us about Enoch is he walked with God. And then he was no more because he took him. Or you get down and you see Abraham. He obeyed and he went out of this place and he did all these things. The picture that I'm painting here, it's reasoned. It's complete obedience. it's It's a committed obedience. But it's a personal relationship with the living God of the universe. God calls these people out. He begins to do a work in them and they respond and start to walk with them. And so the picture that we have as we start to look at this all the way down through is it's not just reasoned. It's not just obedient, but it's personal. It's we now hear from God and we choose to walk with him into this relationship. Now, some people sometimes go, well, that's not really fair because God spoke to Noah. God God called Abraham and audibly spoke to him. That seems kind of different. They had God speaking directly to them. And I would just submit to you that we have a whole lot more of God's word than they did. We've seen a lot more of what God's done, his faithfulness, than they have. Uh, I had a professor who used to say that Abraham carried his Bible in his back pocket because it would fit on one piece of paper because it wasn't a Bible and he was, he was just in the moment hearing God and then responding. We have all that God's done in the way it's laid out for us. And he's preserved his word for us and he's shown us that. And so when we start to look at that picture of what it means, it's not just reasoned, it's not just obedience, but it's this personal relationship. And so we start to enter in and walk with God in that. Each one of these persons, people here, they trusted God. God called it to some pretty crazy things. Build a boat in the middle of the desert. Okay, I'm going to do that. And so when we talk about a biblical faith, God has revealed himself to us and then he invites us in and then it's now trusting him. It's putting our faith in him and what he's done. And so when we look at the Old Testament, this is the roll call of the faithful from those from the Old Covenant of the Old Testament. He's telling you all these people. Every single one of them, it says they didn't even receive the promise fully. They greeted it from afar. Right. And so sometimes the question comes, well, how are they saved in the Old Testament? Ever wonder that? They say, well, we're saved by faith alone, by grace alone and Christ alone. It's all Jesus. Well, how were they saved? They were saved by putting their faith and trust in God and believing he was going to do what he said he was going to do. They were looking ahead to the promises, he said, and we're going to hold fast in faith that, God, you're going to show up and do what you said you're going to do. 
And then he did. And so when we think about it being personal, God enters in. We're about to enter into the Christmas season. And we celebrate the miracle that the God of the universe lowered himself, that he emptied himself. He left his throne and he came down to us and he walked in this life. And he knows everything you go through. And he says, I do all of it for you. I'm going to live the life you should have lived. And I'm going to take the penalty that you deserve. And I'm going to pay for it for you. And I'm inviting you into this to have a personal relationship with me. And so if we stop with it's just committed obedience, then it makes it sound like the way that we have a relationship with God is I work really, really hard. And if I do it well enough, then he accepts me. But that's where Christianity verges from everything else. It's a personal relationship because he comes and does what you can't do for you. That's why it's all by faith. You put your faith in what I have given to you, not the other way around. We obey and we become committed in our obedience because of who God is and what he's done. It's because he saved us that we now respond in obedience, not the other way around. And so that's where it changes from everywhere else. And so we'd say it is reasoned. It is committed obedience, but it's a personal relationship with the living God of the universe. And so it's so important when we begin to look at that and think about that picture And so you think about why is it better than all else? Why is it better than any other faith? Because what ends up happening is you're putting your faith in the only one that can can complete you. The only one that can do what you're seeking. The only one that shows up and can do what you can never do for yourself. Everything you see these people doing in Hebrews 11, they can't do on their own. It would have never happened if it was just, I'm going to grit my teeth and work really hard and do this. It tells us over and over, by faith, they trusted that God was going to show up and do this. And so the same thing is true when we look at the picture of what it means to have a biblical faith. We put our faith in Christ alone, by grace alone, by faith alone, and what he's done for us. And he says, yes, enter in, come with me. And so when we see God for who he is, like you're talking about, as we're reading through the Gospel of John, and we come face to face with the God of the Bible, And we see who Jesus is. There's nothing else that makes sense but being wholly devoted and committed to him. If Jesus is who he says he is, there's no middle ground. It's actually insanity to see Jesus as the creator, redeemer, sustainer of the world. And you go, you know what? I'll take some of what you say that I like and I might use that. That doesn't make any sense. Committed obedience makes perfect sense when you see that he's the living God of the universe. In fact, nothing else makes any sense. And so the picture that there is why is it so much better? The truth is, if it was just committed obedience, we would all fail. We all do fail. I've yet to meet a Christian in my life that is completely and totally committed in every single area of their life. That walks by faith every single moment. I've I've yet to meet that person. But thankfully, that person came and entered into our story and says, I will give you the benefits on uh, by what I do for you. And it's Jesus. And so the good news of this is we do get the person. We do get the relationship. We get all of this by faith in what he's done and nothing else. And so this really serves just as big picture kind of primer to Hebrews 11 as we walk through. What does a biblical faith look like? And we start to see this played out. We'll talk about next week as we step into that, the end of those verses that we looked at this morning, or the verses I read at the end of verse 16, it starts to talk about what is to come. The city, the kingdom, the thing that is not shaken, what we get at the end of this. 
we'll start to flesh out why this is so much better. We get a relationship with the living God of the universe and he restores all things and we get to stay with him forever. And it's all because of what Jesus has done by faith alone and what he's done. So pray with me. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for this chapter that as we just read through and we look at your faithfulness to your people, generation after generation after generation, that you call us into a relationship with you, but it's dependent and it's held together and it's made to work by what you do, your faithfulness. And we just cling to that. We cling to you and we thank you for that. We thank you that you love us enough to not just leave us where we are, but that you've come to us in this way. And we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.